With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the BT Powerhouse podcast. As always, my name is Thomas Bender, the host of the podcast and the manager of BT Powerhouse. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. We really appreciate it as we continue on with our season preview series. We're in on a team that has had a tumultuous last couple of years uh, with Penn State and should be an interesting season here coming off what should have been an NCAA tournament appearance. Didn't end up happening due to unforeseen circumstances, Um, but we're back and we'll we'll see if they can get it done this time. Um, And to help us break it down, we have Eli on. Um, Eli, how's it going? I'm doing all right. How are you? Good, good. Again, th- thanks for joining. And for those of us, I believe, again, I believe you were on here last year for our Penn State preview. But for those who don't recall, um, can you just introduce yourself and where people can check out your stuff? Sure. Um, I'm Ellie. I am one of the writers at uh, Black Shoe Diaries. I focus mainly on uh, on basketball nowadays. I uh, started out as a football writer, but um, being the the masochist that I am, I fell in love with the basketball team. And uh, nowadays um, I do most most of that coverage over at BSD. Um, When I'm not writing about the never ending pain that is basketball, I'm usually playing (laughs) video games or working out. Um, so if you want to check out my stuff, uh, go to, uh, blackshoediaries.com and you should see my name pop up somewhere. <laughs> Excellent. Well, again, we really appreciate you joining us tonight and let's, let's start there. I, I know last March, uh, w- was not a time to enjoy for really anybody nationally, but specifically for Penn state after all the years of struggles of disappointing finishes, um frustration penn state finally had the team they were finally in the tournament and the rug is is pulled out um what do you make of last year knowing that you know they would have made it um but for the covid cancellation so how do you evaluate last season and just your overall thoughts on that unique circumstance let's start with um the acknowledgement of this situation for lack of a better term is not easy on anyone um there are over 200,000 people in the united states that are now dead as a result of covid-19 um so i do not take this um this pandemic lightly um i have friends that have been affected so it is a situation that is close to me um so i i want uh listeners to to take the words that i'm about to say with that as the forefront um but of all the years <laughs> penn state could have had a team that could realistically make a sweet 16 and not have anyone bat an eye this was the year, but mm-hmm. they decided to do it. 
And um, as a Penn State fan, that's kind of the epitome of what it is like to be a Penn State fan. It's like, <laughs> no, like for most of its history, Penn State has been a mediocre program. Um, and I went to the school, I root for the team, but I will not hesitate to admit to that. Penn State has been a terrible basketball team most years, mediocre on a good day. And then if the stars align correctly, um, they can have a season like uh, last season's. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, the last time we saw something like this was 2011. The last time we actually saw success in the NCAA tournament was 2001. So this is this yeah. is the the what we're talking about when we talk about Penn State basketball. So um, it is it is definitely a bittersweet moment to experience a full season knowing that the team was going to make it. Like this is this is there is no doubt the team is in. Yep. They reach as high as number nine in the country at one point. They were they spent multiple weeks during the Big Ten season uh, tied for first. Mm -hmm. uh, so this 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 wasn't a team like this. Uh, not to bash on any other fan bases, but this is a, wasn't a 2014 Nebraska where they started two and five in the Big Ten and got hot at the end. This was a, this was mm -hmm. a team that could compete, right? Um, yeah. So to see it end the way it did. Um, and to add insult to injury, to see Lamar Stevens come seven points from the all-time record um, in points is uh, it's definitely going to be something that fans will remember for a while. Mm -hmm. Yes. And before, before we, we move on, um, I do want to ask what your thoughts are. Again, it's a really unique situation. This has never happened before in college basketball. But how did you feel about the idea? I know Pat Chambers was pushing, you know, they should release the fields just so the teams can sort of celebrate. Obviously, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Penn State can celebrate the fact that you at least got into the field. How did you feel about that? Um, there is in certain sections of the Internet, there is a running joke about how uh, Penn State can hang manners for moral victories. And the way I kind of see it is this is this is one of those things, right? If there is a field, Penn State can hang a banner for having made the tournament in uh, <laughs> 2020, right? Um, mm -hmm. Without a field, there's no banner. So I yeah. think in that in that regard, it would have been something that especially the graduating seniors could take with them. They like, mm -hmm. they officially made, officially, sorry, made the tournament. Um, without that release there, there really wasn't anything. Um, when you look beyond that, there really, what, what's, what's the point, you know? Mm -hmm. What the hope is to bring some of that energy into 2021 and uh, see what happens. Yeah. I. I will say I did not support the idea of releasing a bracket field. And the main reason why is because, you know, everybody was saying the regular season was concluded, which was true. All the regular season games were done. 
but the conference tournaments were not done. And I mean, we have seen plenty of years where a team earns its way in, it gets knocked out, the seeding is impacted substantially. So I did not like the idea of giving out a field, which I viewed as premature, given the fact that we weren't at Selection Sunday. We were still, what, four days away or so when everything sort of went off the rails. So I, right. I didn't like it for those reasons. It sucks for teams like Penn State, sucks for teams like Rutgers in the Big Ten who have who really wanted that moment of, of getting in. But um, as you pointed out uh, so eloquently, it's a tough situation all around. So there are going to be some pains. But we will uh, we'll put that to bed, though. Great season for Penn State, despite missing out on on maybe the, the coronation at the end and move into this year, which is uh, going to be unprecedented in a variety of uh, different ways than last year, uh, starting with the schedule. I've, I've never done one of these season preview series uh, where we're doing these podcasts and just no idea on what the schedule is going to look like. We'll, we'll see. But um, as you mentioned, you know, Lamar Stevens, he's gone. Mike Watkins is gone. Uh, there are some big losses for Penn State this offseason. Can you just touch on a little bit what's the mindset of you know, who's going out the door, who's coming in as far as Penn State this year? Um, losing a guy like Lamar Stevens is a loss that you just don't replace, right? Guys like him don't come um, that often to a program like Penn State. They might at Kentucky, but uh, not, not, not over here, right? So... <laughs> Losing him and also losing Mike Watkins um, does put a bit of a, a, a situation at the big position, right? Um, mm-hmm. This assuming that uh, Stevens actually took a bulk of the five minutes uh, last season. So there are going to be some growing pains this year, no, no, no matter how you slice it, especially because... Penn State is not going to have the luxury of playing a couple of bye games to kind of get the team settled in the first few weeks, figure out Mm -hmm. who's going to do what, when, right? They're going to most likely play um, a couple of Power 5 teams um, in the non-conference if we have one. Um, (laughs) Otherwise, they're going to play a bunch of Big Ten teams from the get-go. So that's probably going to be the biggest loss for, for the team this season. Now, uh, it's not actually all, all doom and gloom because what they lost in height and um, the talent of Lamar Stevens, they did gain in having a tremendous backcourt. Myron Jones turned out to be the biggest surprise of, I, I would say, anyone in the Big Ten last season um, because guys like Luca Garza, Ayo Dasunmu, um, and the Rutgers crew were people whom folks kind of knew what, what those people were. But Myron Jones kind of came out of nowhere. He barely played seven minutes a game his freshman season then he blew up his sophomore season and for all intents and purposes he's just going to keep it going his junior season so 
I think you're going to see the kind of defense that Illinois ran um, a couple of years ago, um, where Penn State already is pretty good at this, uh, um, getting mm-hmm. turnovers, uh, turnovers. And yeah. that's going to be their bread and butter this year. John Hara is, um, is a good defensive player inside. Um, he's not the offensive power that Mike Watkins was, um, but he can hold his own. And um, the hope is that he's going to make that senior jump that Penn State bigs seem to take. Um, but um, all in all, the one thing that I'm excited about is Penn State's uh, entire roster top to bottom is finally at a point where there isn't, this is going to sound terrible, but it's the truth. <laughs> there isn't any dead weight where for the first six to seven seasons of Pat Chambers, the team was defined by that one superstar yep. and then all the backup singers. Yep. Whereas now there are, there are some talented folks. Like there are a lot of high three stars, low four stars in the fray, which mm-hmm. you kind of saw in how the team performed last season. At any given point, some random person would have a huge game. If it wasn't Seth Lundy, it was Isaiah Brockington. If not for Brockington, Dread would go off. Uh, Miles Dread for those uh, listening. So there was always a different person who would um, kind of take over any given game. And the hope for this season is that those folks who had a string of games here and there could become more consistent and have, as a unit, um, more production. And, yes. and having, having that baseline talent be better than what it was when Chambers stepped in um, definitely helps with that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. And I, I think you hit the nail on the head as far as Lamar Stevens, where a guy like that – you're not going to replace that guy in a given year. I mean, even a team like Kentucky and Duke, it's it's a challenge to replace a guy that good, you know, just in a given season. But um, as you said, and I know we're going to touch on this a little bit later uh, in the podcast, but the depth is really good this year. I mean, there's two, three guys definitely in the backcourt, uh, a lot of options. Um, most of the starting spots are, are kind of locked down, which I think is a nice spot for Penn State hasn't always been the case with Pat Chambers you know as you mentioned I think that's a great point where yeah I mean you you had guys like Carr you had guys like Frazier where you had this big time star but everything else was kind of just a mix and match of so-so guys Um, no offense to those players but uh, it's the truth Um, but this year as you mentioned a lot more depth a lot of solid pieces but Lamar Stevens Really huge. And I, I just wanted to put into context a little bit um, his departure, what it means um, for Penn State. We all know his overall numbers, as you mentioned, right there as far as Penn State's all-time leading score. Um, unfortunately, I, I should have had Ken Pound pulled up here uh, before I jumped on. It's taken a little bit to load. But um, Lamar Stevens, he finishes 
with uh, he plays 77% of Penn State's minutes last year in conference play. So the majority of the season, the the heart of it, 31% of shots and possessions when he's on the floor, which is third in the conference for possessions, fourth in the conference for shots. So massive, massive offensive uh, foothold there for Penn State. So that is going to be a huge hold to replace. Um, as you mentioned, though, not all doom and gloom. There's a lot of other options where, you know, this guy steps up 5% more, that guy steps up 7% more, and, and they can fill the hole. Um, as far as the the newcomers this year, uh, Penn State, they got a, a transfer in, they got a JUCO transfer, some freshmen. Doesn't seem to be any, you know, five-star. I know Penn State generally doesn't land, you know, the, the Duke and Kentucky type prospects, but there doesn't seem to be a guy I'm who's a... <laughs> Fair enough. Um, there doesn't seem to be a guy who's a step-in, plug-and-play type player. Uh, is there anybody that stands out to you as far as the newcomers? Um, so here's where things get interesting. We know that um, the powers that be are considering doing a similar situation for basketball players as they are doing for football in the sense that Seniors who may want to return next season can and not have their scholarships gone against them. Mm -hmm. But also, people can play this year who would normally redshirt and also not have that redshirt count against them. I think this is where Penn State can take advantage of that situation with a guy like Sam Sesums, where for all intents and purposes, he was going to redshirt this year. Yep but he might not have to. Mm -hmm. So out of all the newcomers, he would be the one that I keep my eye out depending on what happens in the next few weeks. Because if he can play immediately and keep his two years of eligibility in the next two seasons, then that's gonna be huge. Because unlike the other four newcomers, he's not new to the college game, he's new to Penn State. Out of the other guys, however, um, the two I'm excited about are um, Dalian Johnson, because he's a shooter, and Penn State needs shooters all the time, Um, and also DJ Gordon. Um, There is something else that has been a trend at Penn State for the past, I think, for recruiting classes, if my memory serves correctly, which is they grab a guy who at the time they offer is a consensus four-star, but somehow, <laughs> some way, by the time this person commits to the Nittany Lions, their rankings have gone down to the high threes. So by the time the person commits, they're... I don't want to say a no name because they're still, you know, they're still in the 100 to 200 um, range in terms of rankings. But the luster is a little bit lost when you go from a four star to a three star. Sure. Myron Jones was one of these guys. Seth Lundy was another one of these guys. And Gordon himself uh, fills, uh, fits in there nicely. He was a four star um, in early March. Um, in the recruiting cycle, but by August, by the time he committed to Penn State, he was uh, he was rated down at three. So 
what that leads me to believe is that there is talent there. Um, and out of all the bodies coming in, um, he's the one whose body seems most ready for the punishment that is Big Ten basketball. Um, so, so those two, I'm uh, if if Sessoms can play, those two are the ones that I'm looking at. I'm probably contributing quite early. I think a guy like Abdul Sambila, he's gonna play because we need big bodies, but I don't think he's gonna play right away. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Harar and um, Trent Buttrick are probably gonna take the bulk of the minutes at the five, while uh, Sambila kind of gets acquainted to the physicality of, of college. But um, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm keeping my eye on DJ Gordon and uh, Dalian Johnson. Yeah, and I, I should note, um, I think I mentioned a JUCO transfer. That That's inaccurate. Uh, he, he decommitted earlier, and I remember they replaced him with uh, Tim Sala. Uh, I cannot pronounce his name, so you, you are Tabula. much better. At, okay, yeah. I'm, I'm butchering it. That's who I'm, I'm referencing. But uh, he reminds me a little bit of a, a little bit of a raw Mike Watkins could sort of grow into that type of defensive role, elite shot blocker type of player. Super raw, obviously, you know, we'll have to see. I, to me, my, my verdict on this class is um, with the exclusion of the transfer guard, uh, Sesums, Sesums, I, again, yep. I'm butchering all these names. Um, I'm, I'm on a roll tonight, but <laughs> um, outside of him who, you know, if the red, if the red shirt thing gets lifted, that will be huge. He will play uh, immediately big minutes. Um, outside of him, though, I think this is a wait and see class. I think this is one you put it in the in the stove, wait a year, check back, see how things are. And the nice thing is, Penn State has the depth this year where they can do that. That is not a luxury they have always had. Um, and if any of these guys play, they're going to have to earn their playing time. So that that's an encouraging thing. And on that front, um, as far as the team in general, you've talked about some of this. Um, anything else as far as you know, things you're really excited about, you're really optimistic about as far as the team, and conversely, uh, what are your big concerns for this season? I'm going to start with the bad news because I'm that kind of guy. Um, the biggest <laughs> thing that I'm concerned with is there's a lot of energy, there's a lot of belief, there's a lot of expectation within the team. Mm-hmm. Um, but Penn State has this nasty history of following up a great season with a clunker. <laughs> I really don't want to see another clunker. And it yeah. could definitely happen. And I mm-hmm. um, I would not be surprised if they finish 12th, 13th, or even dead last. I mean, it's hard to beat Nebraska for that last um, or Northwestern, <laughs> but they might, right? Um, and I wouldn't be one bit surprised if that happened. Um, now, on the other side, I think um, we'll probably get to this a little later, but like, I also wouldn't be surprised if this group of guys whom, for all intents and purposes, lost one starter um, mm-hmm. actually play close to the way they played last season. Mm-hmm. Um, what that means for results, um, we may get into that a little bit later. But uh, those two, like those two extremes, 
wouldn't surprise me if they happen because as I as I mentioned earlier, this is the first time in the in the time that I've been following the program where Penn State isn't composed of one great guy and then a bunch of people who are there to fill a team. Um, and in fact, I think the departure of Lamar Stevens kind of was the bookend to that era of one superstar and then a bunch of people that no one knew. Um, mm-hmm. And now it's more of a, here are a number of folks who do things very well, but no one who is so excellent as to take all of the headlines away from everyone else. So mm-hmm. for example, um, I, I'm excited to see how Jamari Wheeler's shooting improves this year. Last year, we saw him take way more threes than he had in the previous <laughs> two combined. But not only that, he actually made them. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited to see how that turns out in this season. Is it going to be a effective three-point shooter? Or mm-hmm. is he going to go inside and actually shoot the ball? So those are those are kinds of things that I'm I'm looking for. How is Myron gonna follow up his sophomore season? Is he gonna have a all Big Ten type of season this year? Or is he gonna step back a little bit given that um Stevens is not around to kind of serve as his uh cushion? Mm-hmm. What's Seth Lundy gonna do? He had some games where he basically carried the team to a win. Um, yeah. So, you know, kind of those kinds of things, like Patrick Kelly is someone who redshirted last season, and for all intents and purposes, he's a good shooter. Can he contribute? Um, and Brockington is, is kind of in the mold of um, Josh Reeves, who departed a couple of years ago. So he is a monster defensively. But the benefit that he has over Reeves is that by this time, he's a much better shooter than Reeves was at that same time. Like as a sophomore, Brockington was a much better shooter than Reeves was as a sophomore. So mm-hmm. the, the level, the collective level of improvement from the team is, has a lot more upside going into this season than it had in previous seasons because the one guy that's a superstar could only get so much better, right? But Mm -hmm. then the rest of the folks, their floors were so low that any any sort of improvement (laughs) was massive. Whereas now we have that, we have like a whole cast of characters who are like sitting right in the middle where mm-hmm. if they all collectively improve by five or ten percent, you're talking about a middle of the pack Big Ten team that could be competing for that top top quadrant. Um, and I'm really excited about that. Absolutely, I I completely agree. I I think it's the double-edged sword of of trying to replace Stevens. I think that is the again, it's it's not possible to have one guy who's just going to step in and fill that role, but. Um, the fact that you do have depth, you have a bunch of guys. the The starting lineup, I, I feel like, is is pretty easy to put in in pen rather than pay, uh, you know pencil at, at this time, which is a great 
boost, uh, particularly in this weird off season. But the the tricky part is for me, if when I'm looking at, you know, who do I think are the best Big Ten teams going to be? You can look at the end of a season. It, it's pretty easy to do. Who are the best teams? Go look at the all Big Ten list and the guys on the, the first team and the second team are going to be on the best teams. It's uh, I, I hate to say it boils down to the who has the best players, but a lot of times it does. It and is. I think I think that's the the one tricky part for Penn State, as you mentioned. There's a couple guys who I could see getting on to maybe that third team, maybe second team if if they really have a, a good season. But there isn't a clear-cut first-team guy. Um, I don't know if there's a clear-cut second-team uh, All-Big Ten guy as of today. Um, part of that is because the conference is as deep as it's ever been. Um, the other part is because you're losing your big star contributor and you have a lot of the guys who last year they were Robins. Um, but one of them needs to step up and, and become, you know, the team leader, uh, who's going to get the ball at the end of shot clocks, things like that. So that's the double-edged sword where I agree with you. I, I think this team, there's a lot of improvement. You know, if each guy improves 5%, as you said, this team could be really deep. It could be really hard to game plan for because unlike previous seasons where you might be able to have a guy who can slow down Stevens and sort of shut down the offense that, might not be possible this year. We'll have to see. It's going to be a new look system, but um, conversely, that the Stevens departure is huge, particularly offensively. I mean, thirty percent of of offensive shots is is a lot. So we'll see. It, it should be interesting. Um, on that point, uh, coincidentally, um, I did want to ask you. Obviously, entering last season. Stevens was a pretty easy pick. He's he's the alpha on the team. He's the top guy. Do you have a prediction on on who you think might be the the top dog this year for Penn State, or do you think it's going to sort of be this um, mix of contributors this year? I have a couple of predictions. I think Myron Jones is going to be the best player on the team. And I say this because um, Penn State won eight straight games mm-hmm. at one point in the Big Ten season last year. And during that stretch, Stevens actually played some really terrible games. <laughs> Meanwhile, Myron Jones came down with an illness. And during that time, Penn State lost. Like in that that five of six string, three of those games mm-hmm. happened when Jones was out. So I'm I'm starting to get on the uh, on the train that like Jones is going to be that person who's like the clear cut best player on the team. Okay. When it comes to like audible leadership, you're probably going to get that out of Miles Dread, Jamari Wheeler and John Hera. Those are going to be your guys who are going to give you the emotion that you saw from Stevens last season. Um, But when it comes to team leadership, some combination of those four guys is who I expect to to look to to get that from. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, I... I'm I'm kind of at a loss, and I I was working on my preview, uh, and I was trying to pick who I who I thought it would be, and I was just like, you know, 
it could be a handful of, of different guys. I, I think Jones is an interesting option. Um, Wheeler, if he can improve, I'd be interested. Dread, I, I don't know. I, I think there's a lot of different options here, which is exciting, as you mentioned, uh, for Penn State fans because uh, – Having options is great. Yes, yes. <laughs> a lot of options. Hey, and if they all improve, the team could be crazy good. So um, it's it's exciting. So uh, it'll be interesting to watch on, on that front. Um, normally, this is where I would ask you about the schedule. Uh, but we don't have that, so I'm not going to waste any time. Uh, who knows what that'll look like? I would expect some Big Ten games, um, some other games as well. We'll see. But, um, but lastly, um, do you have a prediction for the starting lineup uh, for Penn State coming into this season? Um, as you said, less of a prediction and more of a, hmm, well, I'm going to take the four that started last season and then i'm gonna guess on the on the on the four spot and who's gonna fill it so you have um you have wheeler he's gonna start at the point um jones is gonna start at the two um dread is probably gonna take most of the minutes at the three and then when you get to the four it's probably gonna be by committee but i would say seth lundy is gonna start the season starting at the four um and then you know Chambers would probably play with the uh, lineup at that point. Maybe he'll switch Dread and uh, Lundy around. And then, of course, um, Hera's going to start at the five. So that, this, is, this is the first year where it's been really this easy to pick out a starting lineup. Um, but I, 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 will, I will actually want to say this uh, when it comes to, like, season predictions. Um, yep. I don't like I've I've obviously I'm I'm not blind. I've read um Penn State hasn't been predicted, which is kind of weird because you're right, we don't have a schedule, but they're still being yeah. predicted no better than eleventh. And I like I, I totally get it. Like I'm myself, <laughs> I'm fearful that this is where we're headed. Um but what gives me hope is before I see a schedule and can say, well, we're playing Iowa, Michigan State, and Illinois and Rutgers twice, so we're doomed. <laughs> um, you know, before that happens, I will say if the schedule gods do Penn State a favor, this could be a, a season where they actually follow up a successful season with another successful one. I'm not gonna say that they're gonna spend any time tied for first like they did last season. That's not gonna happen. <laughs> but my hope is that they also don't spend any time tied for 14th like yeah. uh, they did the season prior. So I think, I think that's, I think the depth, the increasing talent level and a little bit of luck in scheduling could mean that Penn State spends most of its time hovering around the sixth to eighth land instead of the 10th to 14th, as they're so accustomed to. And the other thing that works in their favor is that Penn State is already used to playing in an arena with no fans. No one else. <laughs> I was going to see if you were going to add that. Uh, 
They're yeah, I mean they might be the most prepared of any team in the Big Ten, at, at least as, as far as the, the fans there. So um it, it'll be hard for you know uh Wisconsin and, and Michigan State to get used to, I guess. But uh as, as far as the starting lineup goes, I completely agree. That's the exact same starting lineup I predict. I think four of those spots are very clear, and then it's just is Lundy gonna be able to hold on to the starting spot? Um, does anybody else struggle or do one I mean does Gordon or somebody break out surprisingly? But otherwise, I agree. I have the, the same starting lineup. As far as season predictions overall, I have to say I'm I'm one of the skeptics. I have them around 11th or 12th or, or so in the league. And the big reason is just not having that, that core guy, that one guy who can carry over the hump against a lot of opponents, particularly on the road, which maybe that doesn't mean that much this year if there are no fans, if not limited fans. Maybe it doesn't mean that much, but that's that's the big thing why I'm skeptical. But I will say they're going to be significantly better than Nebraska and Northwestern. I feel very confident in that. I don't know if that excites any Penn State fans, but I, they're not going to finish 14th. They're not going to finish 13th. That would be utterly uh, astounding if that happened. And the other part, which is always true of the Big Ten, and I really think it's been true the last couple of years, is – the teams are so tight together in, in the standings, particularly in the middle. Um, I mean, you you look at other teams like Indiana, Maryland, huge. I mean, Michigan, um, Purdue, a lot of question marks on, on a lot of these other teams around the conference. And yes, do I think they have more proven pieces, more uh, higher ceilings coming into the season? A lot of them probably true but it's going to come down to two three games uh that that's really what it's going to come down to that divide where you win two or three extra games because you pulled one out at the last minute uh you avoided a stupid upset you know you you took care of business against nebraska and northwestern that is what it comes down to normally i go on a rant about how it's you know taking care of business at home going on the road stealing a couple this year again who knows it's all neutral courts basically but it, it's going to be tight. Could I, I agree with you. Could I see Penn State really, um, you know, Lundy takes a, a nice step forward. The backcourt really plays well, played how it did at the end of the season, or at least in that eight-game win streak you referenced, you know, where they beat Michigan State on the road. They beat Michigan, teams like that. Um, yeah, if, if they're playing like that and a guy like Lundy takes a step forward, they're going to be very dangerous, very dangerous. But um, as of now, I'm more in a wait and see approach without um, uh, Lamar Stevens. And given the history, as you've mentioned, where uh, one step forward, two steps back. So we'll see. Um, it should be interesting in a, a really, really odd season. Um, before I, I let you go, though, any final thoughts on Penn State, the Big Ten, I guess college basketball in general. Um, and then, of course, again, if if you want to plug uh, where people can check out your stuff again. Um, yeah, some final thoughts. Uh, first of all, I don't blame you for slotting them <laughs> right where they have deserved to be for most of their history. I don't blame anyone because the reality of the matter is that, like, they actually have to prove it, right? Like, I may believe that they have the capability to finish higher than 12 this year, but they have mm. to go out and do it. So, yeah. you know, right off the bat, I, yeah, I don't blame anyone who 
blindly um, or not not implying that you did, but like even if you blindly just put them at 12 because that's where they've been most of the time, I would do that too if I were in a pastor. <laughs> so, um, you know, no, no, no offense taken there. Um, and then when it comes to like the overall conference and season, I think it's going to be fun. It's going to be different. Yeah. But I think that difference is what's going to make it fun because it, it, again, it's, it's a lot of gifts and curses. You haven't really seen many announcements of non-conference games between by games, right? Like there are, there are, yeah. I don't think there are going to be many of those, which means that every game, you know how football likes to say that every game matters. Yeah. Every game's going to matter in basketball because you're only playing the best of the best or at yeah. least teams that are at your level day in and day out. So things could fall off the rails for the right team quite quickly. And there might not be a way to recover based on who you're playing. Um, that's going to make for really exciting games. And um, as you said, the Big Ten this season is proving to be no different than it was last season. And if we remember correctly, there was a point where second and 13th place were all tied. It's only first and 14th that had that one on lockdown. So if that happens again, it's going to be a great season. Yes, yes. Well, thanks for reminding everybody of that. It's going to be fun. Um, as always, uh, recommend everybody check out BT Powerhouse. Check out Black Shoe Diaries. They got a lot of great stuff. I presume they're going to have a lot with football as well, starting here for the Big Ten in, what, a week, two weeks? Um, a lot Not going on across. Yeah, yeah, a lot for the the Big Ten. Um, again, thank you for joining us. Everybody else, check us out on Twitter. We got our top 25 Big Ten player countdown starting this week, so check that out. Um, otherwise. We'll see you all next time. Thank you for checking us out.